This is the Morning Rush. Coming up on today's show, it's our not too serious because we're all guessing anyway. First round mock draft. We'll run down yesterday's action in high school playoff hoops. The Wizards continue to play well as uh, we head down the home stretch of the regular season. And a big game tonight between the Capitals and the Penguins. All that and more coming up in the next two hours of the show. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off yet another essential work day. Several ways to get involved on the show, as always. Hit me up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush or at Rush Tony C. Facebook page at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. All of those pages open and free to the public. Like them, follow them, drop me a line. Tonight, of course, is the first round of the NFL draft. Who's your team? And who do you want your team to pick? Not who do you think they'll pick. Who do you want your team to pick? Drop me a line at ESPN Morning Rush, at Rush Tony C on Twitter, at Cumberland's ESPN Radio on Facebook. Also taking your calls on the Rush line, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Shum on 301-759-2628. And of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app. We upload every show every day, minus commercials, just for you. And seriously, it is just for you because otherwise I'd have no reason to do it. All right. Uh, a lot of stuff to get to today. So uh well, let's get started with a rock around the region. I wanna rock! And we will start. With the West Virginia Girls State Tournament in Charleston, third-seeded Petersburg advanced to the AA semifinals with a 49-46 win over number 6 Charleston Catholic. Kim Minnick had 11 points and 12 boards for the Vikings, who will take on at number 2 Wyoming East on Friday morning, which will be tomorrow morning, with, you know, today being Thursday and all. Much more on uh, this game later on. Elsewhere in AAA, Hampshire season is over after an 80-47 loss to undefeated North Marion. Ellen Keaton had 20 points and 10 rebounds for the Trojans, who end the season at 11-5. On the boys' side in regional action, Martinsburg and Jefferson punched their tickets to next week's Quad A State Tournament with wins in the Region 2 co-finals, Martinsburg beat Musselman in overtime, a 53-51, and Jefferson beat Hedgesville, a 61-45. In single A, unbeaten Pendleton County is still unbeaten. The Wildcats headed to the state tournament after a 69-28 win over East Hardy in their Region 2 co-finals. Uh, Pendleton County, have now, they've now won 36 in a row dating back to uh, last season. Joining them in Charleston is uh, Tucker County, which beat Tigers Valley 53-31. 
to 36. So the Tucker County girls and boys uh, both qualifying for the state tournament uh, this year. In Major League Baseball, Josh Harrison hit a three-run homer, and Eric Fetty pitched six solid innings to lead the Nationals over the Blue Jays 8-2 in the split that two-game series in Florida. Fetty allowed just one run on two hits with seven strikeouts. Elsewhere, Jorge Soler had three hits, including two doubles and three RBI, as the Royals beat the Pirates 9-6 at PNC Park to split that two-game set. Eric Gonzalez and Jacob Stallings homered for the Bucks, and the Orioles managed uh, just four hits in a 7-0 loss to the Yankees at Camden Yards. The O's just 3-10 at home this season. And in the NBA, there are a few guarantees in life. Death, taxes, and Russell Westbrook getting a triple-double. Westbrook left the circle now. Left double, explodes, gets a restricted off balance, and one as he falls to the floor and then pounds his chest sitting on the floor on the baseline after he was fouled by Kyle Kuzma. Russell Westbrook would not be denied. 109-98 Wizards. Westbrook with 18 points. The call on Federal News Radio, 18 points, 18 rebounds, 14 assists for Mr. Westbrook as the Wizards beat the Lakers 116-107 in D.C. It was Westbrook's 13th triple-double in the month of April, extending his own NBA record for triple-dubs in a calendar month after the game. He spoke with ESPN's Cassidy Hubbard. It was good. It was good. That's my brother, man, AD. You know, we've been friends for a long time. But like I was saying, Cass, I think um, my job is to make sure I impact the game in many ways. I have to score the ball for us to be um, an elite team. Um, but I can pass the, uh, the ball. I can rebound the ball. I can defend. Um, I can do every aspect of the game. And I take pride in that every single night. And I'm not leave it on the floor every time I get an opportunity to do so. Well, Russ, Scott Brooks told us part, part of the reason that this team has had some recent success is that the team is now understanding your intensity. I mean, we saw three poster dunks in this game alone. What, what do you think of that notion? <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, my job as a leader is to make sure I bring my energy and effort every single night so my team can be able to follow me. Um, and tonight was one of those nights where uh, everybody followed along. Energy was up, coming off a loss, and uh, we took care of home court, which I'm proud of our guys. I mean, you and Bradley have been sensational as of late. You've won 11 of your last 13. How scary can this team be uh, in very, the postseason? Very scary, especially when we're healthy and everything is clicking on all cylinders for us. And our job now and my job is to make sure that we take one game at a time, uh, make sure we have an opportunity to be able to get into the playoff or the play-in game, and uh, we see what happens from there. As you heard uh, Cassidy say, Wizards have won 11 of 13 to stay in that 10th spot in the Eastern Conference. And in college football, West Virginia has lost another defensive starter to the transfer portal. Defensive lineman Jeffrey Pooler announced on Twitter that he was entering the portal four months after saying he would return to Morgantown. For his fifth season of eligibility, he is the third returning defensive starter to leave West Virginia this offseason. And that is your Rock Around the Region, brought to you by the Caporelli Group. So, uh, several things to get to here. we got high school hoops coming up here in just a bit. As the girls' state tournament rolls on, boys getting ready. 
right? The uh, Quad A and uh, Class A fields set yesterday. One round of regionals to go, and that's tonight in Double A. So after tonight, the uh, entire boys' state tournament in the Mountain State will be set. And I I know I got a long day ahead of me. That's all I'm saying. Because Frankfurt, we got to hit the road. Not only, not only it would it have been nice to beat Moorfield last week to win the section championship. That that would have been nice in itself, right? We also would have hosted tonight's game. So that would have meant that Braxton County would have had to come to short gap and play tonight. However, uh, not only uh, did we not win the section title last week, uh, that means we have to hit the road in the region co-final. So tonight, Frankfurt is at Clay County. And if you don't know where Clay County is, it's a long ways away. It's probably it's about a three-hour, 15-minute drive by car. By bus, nearly four hours. That's the downside. One of the downsides, obviously. Obviously, you want to win. Losing is the biggest downside, right? Losing the section title game was the biggest downside. The other big downside is that you lose and you have to travel. So, I got a long day ahead of me. Which means I'm going to get out of here as fast as possible. I got to get my nap. I got it. I got a nap. Got a nap. And then hit the road. It's always difficult, right? When the trip to a game is longer than the game itself, that's a road trip, right? That is a <laughs> that is a road trip. When it takes longer to get there than it does to play the actual game. But we'll see. I think we got a chance. I think we got a chance. You know, I've heard all this uh, garbage about, you know, oh, Clay County, you know, ranked top five in the state, number one team in the region, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? <laughs> Seriously, who cares? You put five bodies on the floor, you got a chance. That's the way I've always, I've always thought, right? You give me five healthy bodies and let's go. If you can fill the team, you got a chance. Right? That's how great stories are made in sports. When when a team is seemingly given no chance to win and they end up winning. You know, look at all the upsets in college. You know, you go NC State in 83 and Villanova in 85. You know, the miracle on ice. Not that tonight's game is on that level, you know, but you you know what I'm saying. If you can play you got a chance. So we'll see what happens, right? We'll see what happens. I think we got a chance. Maybe we can do it. Pull off the upset. Shock the world. Or at least the state of West Virginia. I'll watch film. I know. Uh, Pirates last night. Let me just say this. Uh, the Pirates were trying to uh, sweep KC. It was a brief two-game series in Pittsburgh. Uh, Buckos took the first game. Then last night, Uh, KC even the score with a 9-6 win. And it is one of those games where KC jumped out earlier, up 6-0. 
and the Pirates came back, and nothing. I've said this before on the show, and whether you know it from a coaching perspective or in, especially a fan's perspective, nothing drives me crazier when your team does something good, and then they immediately give it back. Right, like they immediately, like you, if you, you score runs in the bottom half of the inning and you immediately give them back in the next half, or if it's football, you drive down the field and you score a touchdown and then you immediately give it back, like that's just that's so deflating and it drives me crazy. What's happened to the Pirates last night? They were down six nothing out of the gate. Mitch Keller terrible again. How long? How long do you give somebody? before you call him a bust. Because Mitch Keller was supposed to be the next great thing uh, for the Pirates as far as starting pitching goes. He was the next great prospect, probably the you know the most anticipated one after Tyler Glasnow. And he's only 25. But, man, he's just not good. Like, how long do you give him before you, you just kind of like, you know, just give up, and you move on. Last night, here, here's his line from last night. Two and a thirds innings, four runs on three hits. He walked five, and two and a third struck out two. He threw 83 pitches in two and a third inning, innings. He is now 1-3 and three on the year with an ERA of 8.20. Again, he's only 25. But how long do you give someone before you're like, yeah, this just doesn't, he's not going to cut it? Like, how many times do you have to see something from a prospect before you realize that he's just not the one? Because he has not been very good this year. But so he falls behind. He gets shelled. It's six nothing, and then the Pirates start creeping back into the game. Eric Gonzalez hits a two run homer. Jacob Stallings homers back to back, and then suddenly it's six three. Then Todd Frazier, two run double makes it six five. They're right back into the game. Right back into the game at six five. It could have been more because they had bases loaded, two out, and Kevin Newman flew out. They actually could have taken the lead. In that, I think it was the uh, the fifth inning, right? Yeah, bottom of the fifth. So it's 6-5. You're going into the sixth inning, right? Hey, still a ball game. One run down. You got the best bullpen in baseball. And then they give three runs right back. Chris Stratton, who I can't stand, gives three runs right back. So you go from 6-5. You're like, yep, we're right back into it. Here we go. And then the very next half inning, they give three runs right back, and then it's 9-5. I can't stand that. It's so deflating. It's like missing an extra point after a touchdown. right? It's just so deflating. Because you get, you're get you so excited, you're so pumped up, and then it just falls flat. And that bullpen, which has been taxed a lot, it's been used a lot because the starters for the Pirates aren't particularly great. Uh, the bullpen wasn't great. Poppin gave up two runs. Stratton gave up three runs. Uh, it wasn't spectacular. Kyle, Kyle Crick was the only one that actually did anything yesterday. Well, uh, so did Clay Holmes did as well. He, he gave up no runs. 
But it, it's one of those games. You know, Casey's a good team. They're still they're fifteen and eight, still in first place. It's a first place team, so I guess you're happy with the split if you're the Pirates. But Pirates fall back to five hundred now. Uh, they are twelve and twelve. Nationals they get that split with the Blue Jays down in Dunedin, Florida. Jay Hay, Josh Harrison, former Pirate, with the three run blast. Eric Fetty, six solid, six strong. So the Nats uh, get that two-game split. Uh, Nats are now uh, nine and twelve, and the Orioles. Now they're back in last place. So <laughs> all the praise I gave them a couple nights ago, or a couple mornings ago, a couple days ago, whatever, whenever it was, uh, forget it. They beat the Yankees in Game One of the four-game series. Now they've dropped the last two, losing last night seven nothing. They got a chance for a split today. Get that two-game split. But uh, Yanks have taken the last two, and uh, they are now out of the basement, and the Orioles are now in the basement. Yanks are now 11-13, and 13, the O's 10-14, and 14, uh, so the Yanks a game ahead of Baltimore uh, in that battle for the East basement. O's only four hits last night, a grand total of four hits. But what are you going to do? Again, they'll try to get that split today. The Pirates, I do believe, they're off today. And they will open a pretty big early weekend series with the Cardinals uh, beginning tomorrow. Nationals are also off today. Uh, They will open a weekend series at home against the Marlins uh, tomorrow. Let me check the standings real quick for the, uh, the Central. Yeah, okay, Cards didn't play yesterday. All right, is that right? No, they lost. That's right. Okay. So Cards and Pirates both lost yesterday. So they're now both 12 and 12. And they are both tied for they're tied for second in the NL Central. They are both two games behind Milwaukee. So that makes this weekend series Cards and Pirates. Again, it's early. We're just getting into the month of May, right? This weekend. So you can't really call it a huge series. But it would be nice. It would be nice if the Pirates took two or three. Hey, maybe even a sweep. And, you know, take over second place all by themselves. It would be nice. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It's just good to talk about the Pirates after one month of the season still being, you know, relevant a little bit. All right, time for a break. When we come back, we'll talk some high school hoops. Girls State Tournament in Charleston, Boys Regional. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Uh, coming up next hour, <laughs> we will give you, that was unfortunate. Jeez, I'm just throwing stuff all over the place here. I got this keyboard. I, I, I think it's, it's finally time for me to suck it up and move on to a new laptop. I, I, I've been dealing with this for a while now. If you've heard this show before, you probably heard me talk. My old, I, this old trusty laptop that I have, it's got to be eight years old, somewhere around that area. And it's just the thing. Here's the thing that bothers me. It still runs well. I mean, I don't I'm not the kind of person who just puts a ton of stuff on their computers and their laptops. I, I don't like 
to bog it down. I don't save everything. You know what I mean? Every once in a while, I'll go through and clean it up. The The thing still runs well. It's still pretty fast. But the keyboard is just absolutely shot. So much so, I have to plug in an external keyboard to use that on the laptop. And I'm just one of those guys that's like, man, if it's not completely busted and broke, like it's still good. It's still good. But it may be time. Because I'm sitting here with a, a keyboard in front of another keyboard. And the plug-in keyboard hangs over the edge of the, desk, the desktop here. So every now and then, you'll, you'll probably hear it when I raise my hand. I'll do that and clip the end of the keyboard and make that noise, which doesn't make for, you know, very pleasant radio. Anyway, I may have to suck it up and, and, and depart uh, from my trusty laptop. It's been a good laptop. <laughs> anyway, I have a new laptop already. I just haven't used it yet. I haven't broken it out yet. Anyway, uh, as I was saying, uh, next hour, as I kind of come back, you know, get back on track, it's our not too serious because we're all guessing anyway, morning rush 2021 first round mock draft. And, yeah, I said this earlier in the week. I'm just not putting a whole lot of time into the mock draft. I'm just not. I did last year because last year was the first mock draft of this show. And I thought, man, I had to put a lot of time into it. I put hours and hours and hours into it like some mad scientist trying to put together the first-round mock draft, and I got two picks right out of the 32. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not doing that again. I'm not doing that. I'm not wasting all that time to just put it together a bunch of, you know, educated guesses. So I, I won't even remotely take as much time as I did last year on the first round mock draft. That's why it is the not too serious because we're all guessing anyway. And it's a, we're just guessing. That's all it is. Even the guys who get paid to do it for a living. You know, Mel Kuyper Jr., Melly Mel, who I love. It's guessing. Tom McShay, they were all guessing because we have no idea what these teams are going to do. Anyway, uh, that mock draft uh, coming up in the next hour. Uh, high school hoops, man. Another busy day in West Virginia yesterday. Between the girls' state tournament and the boys' regionals. And uh, we'll start with the bigger of the two, much like we did yesterday. Starting in Charleston, the girls' state tourney in double A, Petersburg is moving on to the semifinals after uh, getting by Charleston Catholic 49 46, a game that was pretty much close throughout most of it, with the exception of the third quarter. Neither team led by more than five in the first half. There were six ties. Five lead changes, and Petersburg led by a point, 28-27 at the break. Now, Vikings seemed to take control in the third quarter because they outscored the Irish 17-6. They held Charleston Catholic to just one 
of 14 shooting in that third quarter. Just one field goal. Problem is, the Vikings then went cold in the fourth quarter and made just one field goal. Irish scored the first eight points of that fourth quarter to make it a four-point game. Jenna Burgess scored Petersburg's only field goal of the quarter to make it 47-41 with just under a minute to play. Two free throws made it 47-43, but then Charleston Catholic came up empty on its next two possessions, and the Vikings held on for the win, survive, and advance. Both teams uh, full-court pressed most of the game, which resulted in a combined 62 turnovers, 30 for Catholic and uh, 32 for Petersburg. Here is a uh, Petersburg head coach, John Webster. Well, I thought uh, <clears throat> both teams, you know, they pride themselves on their defense. And at times, both teams kind of took control. I think second the third quarter, we did a nice job of controlling things. And we got to the fourth quarter, and Charleston Catholic uh, seemed like they weared on us a little bit. So uh, hats off to them. Hats off to them. Defensive struggle, to say the least. Wasn't the prettiest thing to watch in the world. I mean, 62 turnovers. But Petersburg making the most uh, so far of its first trip to the state tournament since 2007. The Vikes move on to face number two Wyoming East in the semifinals. That's the first game tomorrow morning at 930. And East advanced with a 60-32 to win over Mingo Central. In the other AA semifinal tomorrow, number five Williamstown, which beat Frankfurt on uh, Tuesday will face number one and undefeated of Parkersburg Catholic. So there you go. Petersburg, they're now what? Uh, is it 15-1? and one? I know they only have one loss. Like, it's 15-1, 16-1, something like that. In the AAA bracket yesterday, number seven Hampshire uh, took on number two and undefeated North Marion, and Marion just used their – Marion does two things really well. They shoot it a lot, and they play great defense. And they use both – uh, to beat the Trojans yesterday, 80-47. to 47. Huskies held the Trojans just 19 points in the first half. They led by 23 at the break. They led in points off turnovers, 24-3 to 3 in the first half alone. Here's North Marion head coach Mike Parrish. Great team effort today. We came out uh, flying around, moving the ball, and uh, hitting open uh, person and making shots and We've had some uh, interesting game ones down here, and today was one of those where it was, he was glad to see the ball go through the hoop, and it makes things a lot easier. Before the game, Hampshire turned the ball over 30 times. North Marion, I told you you like to shoot, right? They shot the ball 79 times, <clears throat> 79 field goal attempts, which is an average of about two and a half shots per minute. And Coach Parrish said the team averages around 65 to 70 Shots a game, but the goal is always 80. They're always shooting, no pun intended, for 80 shots a game. And they almost got that yesterday. Uh, so Hampshire, solid, great season. They end up at 11-5. and They are done. North Marion improves to 14-0 and and moves on to the semifinals where it will face, this is going to be a great matchup, 15-1 and Nitro, the third seed. Nitro had no trouble with Midland Trail, 63-28. to 28. So you have uh, North Marion and Nitro 
a combined 19, I'm sorry, 29 and one record. Uh, that semifinal tomorrow at 11:15. In the other semifinal, it'll be number one Fairmont Senior and number four Logan. Uh, Fairmont rolled over number eight Lewis County 56-29, and Logan beat number five Pikeview uh, 61-30. That semifinal is uh, tomorrow night. The schedule for today, I got to find it. I had it here and I lost it. I told you at the top of the hour, I was very unprepared today. Just had a lot of stuff going on and I just, I ran out of time. I absolutely ran out of time. But we got quad, that's right, we got quad A today. We have four, all four quarterfinals in quad A. And you have Martinsburg and Jefferson in action today. Jefferson, the uh, number seven seed in quad A, uh, they'll take on number two, Cabell Midland, that game this afternoon at one o'clock. And then in the first game of the second session, Martinsburg, the eight seed, will take on number one, Huntington, uh, that game at 5.30. And I do believe we have some class A action today as well, as I consult the schedule once again, as I scrolled on the page. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, both uh, single-A uh, semifinals today. Number three, Calhoun County, and number two, Cameron. This morning, 11-15, and then number four, Tucker County, and number one, Tug Valley, tonight at 7-15. So the Class A title game will be set after today. That title game is Saturday at 10 a.m. And Tucker County, we talked about this yesterday. Mountain Lions, they are in the state tournament for the 17th straight year. However, they haven't even played for a state title since 1998 when they were still in double A. So during this 17-year stretch of making the state tournament, they haven't even made it to the, the title game. And again, that's not taking away from that, that, <laughs> that stretch. That's as impressive as it gets. But they have yet to, during this 17-year stretch, you know, cut down the nets. So an opportunity, and it's going to be tough because you know, Tug Valley, they're, you know, they're not number one for no reason. So again, that game tonight at uh, 7.15. All right, so that's uh, the girls wrapping up yesterday, going over today, four quad A quarterfinals, and then the two class A semifinals. When we come back, we will look at the boys' regionals. Because now we have the Quad A field and the Class A field set for next week's Boys State Tournament. And we'll go over all that stuff next. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland, ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. But I have posted our question of the day on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush and on Facebook at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. And the question of the day is quite simple. Who's your team and who you want them to take in the first round tonight, assuming that your team has the first round pick? Sorry, Houston. So check it out on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Leave some responses, some replies. We'll read them over the air. Who is your team and who do you want them to take? Now, if you're a Ravens fan, you got two picks in the first round after that trade with uh, the Chiefs. 
All right, so last segment we spent uh, talking about the girls' state tournament. Petersburg moving on. Hampshire, uh, unfortunately, coming home. They cap a pretty good season at 11-5. and five. Uh, Yesterday, last night, last evening, call it what you want, the boys' quad A and single A field set for next week's uh, boys' state tournament at the Civic Center in Charleston. In quad A... In Region 2, Martinsburg and Jefferson both moving on. They're going dancing. They punched that ticket. Martinsburg beat Musselman in overtime, 53-51. Jefferson, a 61-45 winner over Hedgesville. So looking at the entire quad A field, Morgantown, they come out of Region 1. They're 17-1 this year. They are the top seed. And they will take on number eight, Woodrow Wilson. Uh, Woodrow actually has a losing record. 10 and 11. Probably the most impressive thing there is they managed to play 21 games this season. Most teams were lucky to play 14, 15. (laughs) Woodrow Wilson played 21. They knocked off uh, South Charleston in the Region 3 co-final of 49-43. George Washington will be the second seed in Quad A. Uh, They are 14-1, and and they will take on seventh-seeded Jefferson. We have a George Washington-Jefferson matchup. Uh, Jefferson 11-4 on the year. George Washington, uh, they're coming out uh, like Woodrow Wilson out of Region 3. They knocked off Greenbrier East yesterday, 73-258. In the uh, 3-6 matchup, Martinsburg. The Bulldogs, they are the third seed in Quad A. They are 14-1, and and they will take on number 6, Cabell Midland, next week. That is the first game on Thursday next week. Uh, Martinsburg, Cabell Midland at 9.30. And in the 4-5 game, 11-3 Huntington, they're the four seed, and they will take on uh, number 5, University. Uh, They are 11-1. So that is your Quad A field, just like the girls – all four Quad A quarterfinals played next Thursday. It'll be Martinsburg, Cabell Midland, then GW and Jefferson, Morgantown, Woodrow Wilson, and then Huntington and University in the final game of that day. Also yesterday, the Class A state tournament field was set after all of those region co-finals. And out of Region 2, Pendleton County and Tucker County. Moving on to next week. Pendleton County, their 35th straight victory going all the way back to the start of last season. The Wildcats are really no trouble with East Hardy, uh, 69-28. And in the other Region 2 co-final, Tucker County uh, beat Tigers Valley 53-36. So Tucker County, much like Hampshire, sending both the girls and boys team to uh, Charleston this year. Looking at the entire Class A field, Man is the number one seed. They are 13-2. and two. They come out of Region 4. Uh, they took out Wahama. Is that how you pronounce that, Wahama? I think so. That's how I'm pronouncing it anyway. 64-251. Uh, and Tucker County will be the eight seed, so they will take on Man uh, next week. Tug Valley is the number two seed at 12-2. and two. And they'll take on number seven, Cameron. Pendleton County at 15-0. Again, 35-game win streak. Uh, They're the third seed. And they will face number six, Greenbrier West. 
Uh, West is 11-7 and seven this season. Greenbrier coming out of uh, Region 3. They took care of James Monroe in overtime yesterday, uh, 64-57. And in the 4-5 game, Webster County and Clay Battelle, uh, Webster the 4 seed, they are 11-6. and six. Uh, Clay Battelle at 15-2. and two. And all four of those quarterfinals will be played on Tuesday. So Quad A Thursday, Class A Tuesday, the very first game of the day Tuesday, Pendleton County and Greenbrier West. Second game, Tug Valley and Cameron. Then the first game of the evening session, Mann versus Tucker. And then Webster County against Clay Battelle. So there you go. Still tons of action. And congratulations to all those teams, obviously, for handling their business and uh, getting to the state tournament. One final field to be set tonight. When all is said and done, we will have uh, double A in uh, Region 2. Braxton County is at Moorefield tonight. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, Frankfurt, the very long road trip to take on Clay County. Of course, Frankfurt and Moorefield, uh, they played last week. Moorefield won the section title. That's why they are hosting tonight's game. And Frankfurt has to take the four-hour bus ride <laughs> to Clay County. In the other regionals in Region 1, Wirt County versus Ritchie County and St. Mary's versus Williamstown. In Region 3, Liberty Raleigh at Bluefield, Wyoming East at Chapmanville. And then Region 4, Roan County at Polka. And uh, Buffalo is at Charleston Catholic. So there you go. Now, again, uh, can't talk about it tomorrow because I'm not here tomorrow. Little programming note for you. I took tomorrow morning off because of that insanely long road trip uh, we have with Frankfurt tonight. (laughs) So there is absolutely no way that I was coming in tomorrow. That's just the way it goes. It's just the way it goes. You know, if we were playing at home, wouldn't have been a problem. But I know I'm not getting back tonight until an ungodly hour. I just knew there was no way I'd be able to get up and do a show tomorrow. So I I burned a PD, a personal day, and there you go. So no show tomorrow. And don't worry, because we'll you know you'll have all four hours of KJZ tomorrow morning. So they'll go down the entire first round of the draft, much better than I could. So actually it works out. And then we'll talk about all the, you know, hoops action. I hope to be coming back here on Monday and talking about getting ready to go to the state tournament. You know, I hope to come back and talk about that. I hope that we, Frankfurt, can take care of business tonight. It's going to be tough. Clay County is a really good team. Top 10 team in the state. Number one team in the region. But ask me if I'm scared because I'm not. (laughs) Because I am not. I think Moorfield has a shot. Moorfield's only 5-11 this year. I think they have a shot tonight to knock off Braxton County. Because they're just they're hitting a stride. They've won four games in a row. Moorefield lost the first game of the season, lost eleven straight, and they've won four straight now. And they're just kind of I don't know. They, something something tells me they'll be able to hang with, if not beat Braxton County tonight at at Moorefield. We'll see. Anything can happen in the playoffs, baby. That's why they play the games. All right. Hour number one is in the books. 
Hour number two, of course, around the corner doing push-ups. When we come back, we'll rock around the region, and then we'll dive into it, baby. Our not-too-serious because we're all guessing anyway. Morning Rush 2021 first-round mock draft. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. This is the Morning Rush. This is our number two of said show. Here on Cumberland's ESPN Radio. Brought to you by Thomas Cumberland. uh, Where the experience is all about you. Tony C. in a big chair. Live. From the palatial ESPN studio. High atop Industrial Boulevard. At least 10 feet up. On the south side of the Queen City, baby, a reminder, several ways to get involved on the show. Hit me up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush, at Rush Tony C. While you're there, uh, answer today's question of the day. With tonight being the first round of the NFL draft, who's your team and who do you want them to take? with their first-round pick, assuming that your team has a pick uh, this evening. Questions also up on Facebook at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. All of those pages free and open to the public. Like them, follow them, talk to me, baby. Come on. Speaking of which, taking your calls on the rush line, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Shum on. 301-759-2628. And, of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app. We upload every show every day, minus commercials, just for you. If you missed any part of any show, it's right there. Like, if you missed the first hour of the show, had a little baseball recap, roundup, and some high school hoops. Some girls' state tournament action yesterday, boys' regional action. Still a lot of games to be played in the next, uh, I don't know, week and a half. All right, before we before we get to our not-too-serious, because we're all guessing anyway, mock draft, uh, let's rock around the region. I want to rock right now. And we will start right there with high school basketball, the West Virginia Girls State Tourney at the Civic Center in Charleston, third-seeded Petersburg, advanced to the double-A semifinals, with a 46 40, I'm sorry, 49 46 win over number six, Charleston Catholic. Uh, Kim Minnick had 11 points and 12 rebounds for the Vikings, who will take on number two, Wyoming East, tomorrow morning. Uh, Petersburg and Charleston Catholic combined for 62 turnovers 30 by Catholic, 32 by Petersburg. Catholic hit one field goal in the third quarter. Petersburg hit one field goal uh, in the fourth quarter. Elsewhere in AAA, Hampshire's season is over after an 80-47 loss to undefeated North Marion. Ellen Keaton had 20 points and 10 rebounds for the Trojans, who end another great season at 11-5. North Marion turned Hampshire over 30 times in the game. On the boys' side in regional action, just talked about this last segment, but just in case you missed it, 
Martinsburg, and Jefferson uh, punched their tickets to next, or next week's Quad A State Tournament with wins in the region. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? It wasn't that bad. It was a little slip. It wasn't that terrible. Back off. With wins in the Region 2 co-finals, Martinsburg beat Musselman in overtime 53-51, and Jefferson beat Hedgesville 61-45. And in Class A, unbeaten Pendleton County stayed that way. The Wildcats headed to the state tourney after a 69-28 win over East Hardy in their Region 2 co-finals. Joining them is uh, Tucker County, which beat Tigers Valley 53-36. to uh, Pendleton County, the third seed in next week's state tournament. Tucker, the eighth seed. In Major League Baseball, Josh Harrison, former Pirate, hit a three-run homer, and Eric Fetty pitched six solid innings to lead the Nationals over the Blue Jays 8-2. to uh, Fetty allowed just one run on two hits, with seven strikeouts. Elsewhere, Jorge Soler had three hits, including two doubles, with three runs batted in as the Royals beat the Pirates 9-6 at PNC Park to split their two-game set. Eric Gonzalez and Jacob Stallings homered for the Bucks, and the Orioles managed just four hits and a 7-0 loss to the Yankees at Camden Yards. The O's just 3-10 at home this season. In the NBA, a few guarantees in life, death, taxes, water is wet, and Russell Westbrook getting a triple-double. Westbrook left the circle now. Left elbow explodes, gets a restricted off-balance, and one as he falls to the floor and then pounds his chest sitting on the floor on the baseline after he was fouled by Kyle Kuzma. Russell Westbrook would not be denied. 109-98 Wizards. Westbrook with 18 points. The call on Federal News Radio, 18 points, 18 rebounds, 14 assists for Westbrook as the Wizards beat the Lakers 116-107 in D.C. It was Westbrook's 13th triple-double this month, extending his own NBA record uh, for triple-dubs in a calendar month after the game. Westbrook spoke with ESPN's uh, Cassidy Hubbard. It was good. It was good. That's my brother, man, AD. You know, we've been friends for a long time. But like I was saying, Cass, I think um, my job is to make sure I impact the game in many ways. Um, help to score the ball for us to be um, an elite team. Um, but I can pass the, uh, the ball. I can rebound the ball. I can defend. Um, I can do every aspect of the game. And I take pride in that every single night. And I'm not leaving it on the floor every time I get an opportunity to do so. Well, Russ, Scott Brooks told us part, part of the reason that this team has had some recent success is that the team is now understanding your intensity. I mean, we saw three poster dunks in this game alone. What, what do you think of that notion? Uh, I mean, you know, my job as a leader is to make sure I bring my energy and effort every single night so my team can be able to follow me. Um, and tonight was one of those nights where uh, everybody followed along. Energy was up, coming off a loss, and uh, we took care of home court, which I'm proud of our guys. I mean, you and Bradley have been sensational as of late. You've won 11 of your last 13. How scary can this team be uh, in very, the postseason? Very scary, especially when we're healthy and everything is clicking on all cylinders for us. And our job now and my job is to make sure that we take one game at a time, uh, make sure we have an opportunity to be able to get into the playoff or the play-in game, and uh, we see what happens from there. The Wiz, they have won 9 of 10, 11 of 13, to stay in that 10th spot in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Washington uh, still six games under 500, but they have a two-game lead over Chicago and Toronto 
for that 10th spot. They're a game and a half behind Indiana for the 9th spot and two games behind Charlotte for the 8th spot. In college football, West Virginia lost another uh, defensive starter. Uh, Defensive lineman Jeffrey Pooler announced on Twitter that he was entering the NCAA transfer portal four months after saying he would return to Morgantown for a fifth season of eligibility. He is the third returning defensive starter to leave West Virginia this offseason. And tonight on the ice, huge game in Washington as the Capitals are hosting the Penguins. You can catch that game right here on this very station. Pre-game 645, puck drop shortly after 7 o'clock. The Capitals in first place in the East Division, one point ahead of the second-place Penguins. Caps got 68, Pens got 67, Islanders in third place at 63, and then the Bruins, one point behind the Isles with 62. And tonight's game is the first of two. It's a two-game set, as it has been most of the season with the schedule. So Caps pens tonight, Caps pens again on Saturday, and again, catch both of those games uh, right here. I want to see if it would be great if the Islanders and Bruins are playing each other because that would really make things interesting. What's on the uh, docket? Nah, see, Boston has Buffalo. That's too easy. Anyway, I'm starting to feel a little bit better, by the way. Uh, in case you cared or were wondering, or even don't even know what I'm talking about. I felt like crap this morning when I woke up. <laughs> I did. I felt bad. I was, and it has to be my allergies. I woke up today just dried out. I mean, I don't, it, I just, my. there was not a, uh, a drop of moisture anywhere from the neck up. My lips were dry. My eyes were dry. Like everything, I, I don't know. I, I felt like I was just completely dehydrated. I felt like a Monday morning uh, after a weekend in college, if you catch my drift. And then just, there was some, I don't know what I ate yesterday, but there was definitely some disturbance in the intestinal region. <laughs> yeah, I just I didn't feel well today. But thanks to uh, some uh, self-medication, I'm starting to feel better. Uh, Here's a little message to you youngsters out there. All you uh, boys and girls uh, listening this morning, listen to your Uncle uh, Tony here. Uh, This is what happens whenever you get older, okay? Whenever you get around my age, again, I'm I'm not terribly old, but I'm not terribly young either. Just turn 50. Uh, This is what you have to deal with. Whenever, you know, you get up in the morning, Your breakfast usually consists of like oatmeal, some dry toast, coffee, and or orange juice, and a smorgasbord of tablets and pills. That's basically what it is. That was my morning. (laughs) That was my morning. I had actually had a sandwich for breakfast, but I had I took I took an allergy pill. I took some ibuprofen because my head was killing me. And I had to take an antacid, a tablet, to settle down all the spilkus in the stomach region. That you know, and that's I'm telling you, kids, enjoy your youth. <laughs>
because this is what happens to you. This is what happens. Oatmeal and pills. That's your breakfast. Anyway. (laughs) I'm starting to feel better, though. So tonight is the first round of the NFL Draft live from Cleveland. It'll finally end weeks of speculation, weeks of guessing, weeks of analysis and mock drafts 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, whatever. And today, we're going to hand out, we're going to talk about our, what we call, not too serious because we're all guessing anyway. Morning Rush 2021 first round mock draft. And again, the question is up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush. Our Facebook page at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. We are asking you today, get involved. Or you can give us a call, 301-759-2628. I want to know who your team is, and I want to know who you want your team to take tonight. Not who you think they'll take. There's a difference but who you want them to take. Assuming that your team has a first-round pick tonight, because some teams don't, like Houston. So answer the question on Twitter or Facebook, or give me a call, 301-759-2628. And we'll go from there. I have a little bit on some of these players. Some of them we're just going to blow right through. Because, again, I didn't spend a tremendous amount of time on it. Because I did last year, and it was for nothing. I mean, you could find, you could go anywhere. You could find a mock, a million mock drafts leading up to tonight. Last year, I spent hours putting together my first round mock draft, and I got two picks right out of thirty-two, and one was his first overall pick. That's like a that's a gimme. That's like signing your name on the the SAT. You get like two hundred points for just signing your name. That's what that is. So you can't even really count the first overall pick. Like tonight, if you have Trevor Lawrence as your first pick, congratulations. Everybody knows that. That's, that's not a secret. That's not. Unless Jacksonville turns into the dumbest team ever, Trevor Lawrence is going number one. So you get zero credit. You get zero points for taking Trevor Lawrence number one in your mock draft. So we're going to fly through this. Again, if you want to get involved, 301-759-2628. Feel free to give me a call. Get involved. Dial and dance. Come on. So here we go. Are not too serious because we're all guessing anyway. (laughs) Morning Rush 2021 first round mock draft. With the first overall pick. You like that? You like? I like it. It's a little too loud, but I'm going to have to turn it down a little bit. With the first overall pick, we just talked about it. Jacksonville will take Trevor Lawrence, quarterback, Clemson. This is an absolute no-brainer. Best prospect of this year's draft, I think, of any player. Now, I saw one expert say he's one of the top prospects ever, like quarterback-wise. They put him up there with John Elway and Peyton Manning. I don't know about that. I wouldn't go that far. 
But if Jacksonville and Urban Meyer doesn't ruin him, I think Lawrence, I think he's a surefire pick. He's going to have a long and really good NFL career. So Jacksonville, again, no surprise to anybody. They're going to take Trevor Lawrence at number one. At number two, the Jets. They're going to take Zach Wilson, quarterback from BYU. Unless New York has pulled one of the greatest okey-dokes of all time and pulled the wool over all of our eyes, they're taking Wilson at number two. Now, I've heard guys like Mel Kuyper Jr. say that Justin Fields, Fields, excuse me, should be two, that he's the second-best prospect behind Trevor Lawrence. I'm not so sure about that. But all signs, all indications point to Zach Wilson going to the Jets at number two. Then there's the 49ers at number three. They sent three first-rounders to the Dolphins to trade up for this pick. And they have been the biggest mystery, one of the biggest mysteries of this this first round. Because nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody. At first, Kyle uh, Kyle Shanahan said when they first made that trade with the Dolphins, they had an idea of who they were going to take. But then just recently, he said, well, now we can take one of five guys. So assuming that Lawrence and Wilson's off the board – there's three guys. They're going to take a quarterback. Like Jimmy Garoppolo is done in San Fran. He's not coming back. He could end up back in New England. I don't know. So they have nobody knows what they're going to do. But I think, this is what I think. Mac Jones has been gaining some traction here amongst the experts as going to the Niners at number three. I think Jones is going to fall in this first round. I really do. He's going to be that guy. High, you know, high projection. It seems to happen every year. That is going to tumble a bit. I think the Niners are going to take Trey Lance. I do. I think Trey Lance was the guy, QB from North Dakota State, that the Niners had their eye on to begin with. I think he's the guy. He's the reason why they traded up. And I think they're going to go with Trey Lance, quarterback, because I I think he has a higher ceiling than Mac Jones or Justin Fields. So I have Trey Lance going to the Niners at number three. At number four, Atlanta, the Falcons, they're taking Kyle Pitts. This is a no-brainer. This is about as much as a no-brainer as Trevor Lawrence in number one. Pitts, tight end out of Florida, freak athlete. Some people were calling him the best tight end prospect ever. The Falcons, who are looking to trade Julio Jones, they got to find somebody to replace him. They got to find somebody. I know it's tight end, wide receiver, but as far as offensive production goes, if they're going to ship Julio Jones out, they got to bring somebody else in. And it'll be Kyle Pitts uh, with the fourth pick. With the fifth pick, the Bengals, they can go one of two ways here. Offensive line or offensive playmaker? They could go with Panay Sewell, the tackle out of Oregon. But, but, I think they go playmaker. I think they go with uh, Jamar Chase, wide receiver out of LSU. 
Now, here's a guy, he sat out last season because of COVID. So a lot of people kind of, you know, off the radar a bit early on. When this cat did play, 84 catches, 1,780 yards, and 20 touchdowns. He can ball. And, oh, by the way, he'll be reunited with the guy who threw them or threw him all those TD passes at LSU, Joe Burrow. So that LSU connection, not to mention the fact that, uh, <laughs> what, do they, what do they call the LSU Tigers, the uh, the Bayou Bengals, right? Well, now they'll both be Cincy Bengals. I think uh, Cincy takes Jamar Chase with that fifth overall pick. At number six, the Dolphins. The pick from Philadelphia. They got this pick from the Eagles. They're going offensive line. And they will take Oregon's Panay Soul, or at least they should. But they won't. I tricked myself here. They wanted Kyle Pitts. He'll be gone. They're not getting him. So I think they'll go for one of Alabama's two wide receivers, either Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle. And I think they go with the Heisman Trophy winner, Smith. They should take the offensive tackle, but they won't. They will go, again, offensive playmaker, and they'll take Devontae Smith, which then leads to the Lions at number seven. And that is where Panay Sewell will go. The Lions will be more than happy to snatch him up at number seven. He's the best O-line prospect in the draft, and Jared Goff needs some protection. So I have uh, Panay Sewell going to the Lions at seven. At eight, the Panthers. Now, I think the Panthers would have taken a quarterback here at number eight if they hadn't traded for Sam Darnold. Some folks, like Dan Orlovsky, think that they should still go quarterback here. But uh, Mel Kuyper disagrees. I think with Carolina, I think the offensive tackle, left tackle position is so critical. There's talk about maybe John taking a quarterback to compete with Sam Darnold. I'm not buying it. Sam Darnold needs to catch a break. Somebody's got to start building around him, and it's Carolina. Use that pick to get the left tackle. Penny Sewell, if he's there, uh, that's, a, that's a position they desperately need some improvement. Uh, and then allow him to have some success. And for Denver, they won a competition for Drew Locke. They made maybe some effort to get a Matthew Stafford. You think about some effort for Sam Darnold. They failed in both cases. Now you get a Teddy Bridgewater. I think they felt like at nine, was a quarterback really going to be there at nine? Guaranteed. Maybe there will be, but there was no assurance, John, that there wouldn't. Their whole, I think, point of emphasis has been, let's give Drew Locke some competition, push him to be the great quarterback they think he can become. If he can't, they got to have a fallback plan. And the fallback plan in this case will be Teddy Bridgewater. So what does that give them? What kind of a, a, a nimbleness do they have there at that nine pick then? Well, then you look at the Vic Fangio needing a linebacker like Micah Parsons out of Penn State. Some would think that's a little high. Remember, he opted out. Some have pushed him into that middle first-round area. But keep in mind, they could still go for a quarterback, a young quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater you know, is a guy who's a stopgap measure in most cases. Drew Locke, you don't know enough about. I would be surprised if they took a quarterback there. But I'll tell you what, John, trading out could be an option as well. So to pick up some extra choices. But if they do stay there, I think Micah Parsons would make a lot of sense. Is that a little early? Some would say it is. All right, so they were talking Panthers and Broncos who pick an 8-9. This is where I think Sewell won't be there. And since the Panthers have Sam Darnold, I think they trade out of this spot. 
And I think this is where the Patriots come in. Now, it's been rumored for a while that they want to move up to take their next next franchise quarterback, uh, Patrick sitting at number 15. There may not be a quarterback left, although I think there will be one. I think the Patriots trade up. If not to the Broncos at 9, to the Panthers at 8. Panthers don't need a quarterback. They're set with Darnold, they think. So I think I have the Patriots trading up to 8. They will take Justin Fields, quarterback from Ohio State. I'm calling, I don't call trades very often because it's almost impossible to, to, to predict. I like the Pats to trade up into the top 10 and take Justin Fields from Ohio State. At number nine, the Broncos, uh, you heard Mel talk about it. They traded for Teddy Bridgewater yesterday, which uh, puts him and Drew Locke in the quarterback room. I don't see them taking another quarterback here. I just don't. Mac Jones would be sitting there, but I think they'll take their chances with one of those two QBs. They may, as I said, look to unload this pick, maybe to New England, if the Panthers don't do it. If Denver stays here, I agree with Mel. They'll take Penn State linebacker uh, Micah Parsons, who uh, sat out last season because of the pandemic. And at number 10, before we go to break, the Cowboys. Dallas needs a ton of help on defense. Last season, they allowed the most points in franchise history. They gave up 34 touchdown passes, 27 to wide receivers. And that is where Virginia Tech cornerback Caleb Farley comes in. If they don't take Farley, it'll be South Carolina DB uh, J.C. Horn. So that is your top 10. In the not-too-serious, because we're all guessing anyway, Morning Rush 2021 first-round mock draft. Going to go to a break. News and weather. When we come back, the rest of our not-too-serious mock draft. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland, ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. We are in the middle of our uh, not-too-serious because we're all guessing anyway. 2021 first-round mock draft. Of course, first round of the NFL draft is tonight in Cleveland. I uh, I spent minimal time on this. because I just wasn't going to sink hours into it and be wrong on everything anyway. So that's, you know, I spend more time, you know, washing my hair than I did on this. And if you know what I look like, then you understand. Went through the top 10 last segment. Let's continue with the Giants at uh, number 11. Uh, New York's offense was terrible last year. It didn't help that Saquon Barkley missed most of the season. He'll be back. They added uh, Kenny Galladay, and they will add tonight Alabama wide receiver uh, Jalen Waddell with the 11th pick. With the 12th pick, the Eagles, a pick they got from Miami via San Fran, they'll keep that Alabama train rolling, and they will take a cornerback from Alabama, Patrick Sertain, uh, the second. With the uh, 13th pick, the Chargers. Oh, I love when I get a spam call at 8.30 in the morning. Like I know anybody from Annapolis, Maryland. I do not. Anyway. With the 13th pick, the Chargers, they're going to go offensive line. 
Rashawn Slater, OT from Northwestern. Some people actually have Slater rated as the top lineman in the draft, even ahead of Oregon's Panay Sewell. Now, Slater opted out of last season because of the pandemic. He can play either right or left tackle. He will go to San Diego, or I'm sorry, <laughs> Los Angeles, excuse me, at number 13. At number 14. Another tackle going right off the board here. Christian Derisaw from Virginia Tech. He can start at left tackle from day number one. Uh, Sewell, Slater, and Derisaw all considered the top three O-line prospects in this draft. All different kind of orders. So we'll see tackles go off the board back-to-back to the Chargers and the Vikings. Now, I mentioned earlier in the first segment, this is a complete guesswork. I don't know. The Patriots have the pick at number 15. I have them trading up to get Justin Fields from Ohio State. I have them trading with Carolina. So Carolina, according to my not-too-serious mock draft, at number 15, they will take a cornerback, J.C. Horn, from South Carolina. Another cornerback, Greg Newsom II from Northwestern, will go 18, I'm sorry, 16 uh, to the Cardinals. So we got back-to-back tackles at 13 and 14, back-to-back cornerbacks at 15 and 16 to the Panthers and the Cards. At 17, the Raiders. Vegas needs some help on the offensive line. The problem is Sewell, Slater, and Derisaw, they'll all be gone by the time this pick rolls around. They could go with USC guard Elijah Vera Tucker. They could also trade out of this pick and still get Tucker a little later on in the first round. Very, very possible. Very possible. But I, I'm not going to go through the trade scenario. They could drop the 19-20. I don't know. Either way, let's put it this way. The Raiders are going to take Vera Tucker from USC. At 18, now we're going rapid fire. You could tell where I kind of just dropped off. <laughs> Not a whole lot of details. with this. It's like a name and move on. The Dolphins, if I can pronounce this name, Aziz Ujolari, linebacker from Georgia, outside linebacker from Georgia. And then we have Washington at number 19. And if you've been listening, there's one name that I have not mentioned. There's one name that's been talked about a lot in the weeks leading up to this draft. And it seems like every year we have a highly, you know, regarded prospect that kind of tumbles a little bit in the draft. If I get this pick right, even though this is the not-too-serious mock draft, I may just quit. If I get this right, it's it'll be the ultimate mic drop, and I might just walk out of the studio and never come back. Like, that'll be the, that'll be the ultimate. That'll that'll be the biggest feather in the mock draft cap. If Washington lands it, chances are this guy won't fall this far, but for some reason I have him here. And that's Alabama quarterback Mac Jones. I know people have him high. They have him going top 10. I get it. Some have him going to the Niners at number three. 
But I got the Niners taking Trey Lance. A lot of teams behind them don't need quarterback help. The Panthers and the Broncos might be the two teams that kind of block this from happening. Because even though the Panthers have Sam Darnold and the Broncos have Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke, they may take Mac Jones. I'm telling this is this is like the one shot in the dark. This is the unicorn for me. Washington with the 19th overall pick will land Mac Jones quarterback from Alabama. And again, if it happens, I'll quit. I will just, I will just, I'll, I'm done. That will be the highest of high notes in my in my career. At number 20, the Bears, they will take an offensive tackle from Oklahoma State, Tevin Jenkins. At 21, the Colts, they will take a linebacker from Notre Dame, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Now, let me just be clear on this. Caller, hold on. I know who it is. I know he's going to call me crazy. If Mac Jones doesn't fall to 19 to Washington, Washington will take Owusa Koamora from Notre Dame. Okay? That that's my that's my fallback right there. That's my little, you know, if this crazy prediction with Mac Jones doesn't happen, they'll end up with the linebacker from Notre Dame. Let's go to the rush line, 301-759-2628. You're up. Who's this? Dwayne, how you doing? Dwayne, what's going on? Man, you can be more wrong about that thing. Mac Jones, like, okay, all of the NFL is gone quarterback crazy. Right. So I wouldn't be shocked if it if it for the first five picks, it went quarterback, 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 quarterback. Seriously. Because they've gone stupid thinking that they're going to find the next Tom Brady or the, you know, that they don't see with their eyes. They just see the Q and the B on that position, and that's it. They see that the team that that quarterback was on, you know, had a lot of success in college, and they lose their mind over the kid. That's what happened with, like, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, like, I don't know how many other ones that, that's happened like that in the past couple of years. And they, I mean, Tua is kind of still up in the air. Right. But uh, I think he's going to be another one. You know, Tua was great in college, and he's not going to be so much in the NFL. Uh, Drew Locke, same thing. Uh, the Broncos were in love with him. Hopefully they realize that he's, Jay Cutler 2.0 talk <laughs> ways with him. But uh, I, I think, to be quite honest with you, you're going to see a lot of quarterbacks in the top ten taken. But if Washington does get the joker, Jeremiah Wusukorma, they got a really solid dude. Yeah, and no I, doubt. And I don't, I don't think they'll be too too unhappy with that pick. Right. So, but uh, – yeah, Mac Jones, I, I would say, is probably going to go third or fourth. Well, yeah, like, well, like I said, he could very well go to San Fran number three. Yeah. That, that is very possible. Now, I will tell you this. Out of all of the, the quarterbacks, in my in my opinion, this is just my opinion. Sure, sure. Yeah. The, the quarterback that I see falling the most 
and potentially falling out of the first round is Justin Fields. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, hey, hey, I've seen a couple mock drafts that have him going all the way to 15 with the Patriots, to the Patriots. Could be. Um, I, I just see him falling just because the NFL has been the NFL and they do the same things. Now, they're in love with quarterbacks. Right. But they like the, the prototypical quarterback. And I'm sure you know what what and how that looks. You know, right. six foot five, you know, six foot four, 220, 250 pounds, you know, rifle arm, um, kind of a little bit lighter skin, if you know what I mean. Uh, yep, yep, yep. So uh, that, that's my opinion on what's going to happen with the draft. But who knows? Uh, it, it could be completely different come to, you know, tonight. So. Oh, it will. I mean, not, nothing we talk about today is going to make sense. I mean, it's just it never does. never works out that way. It's kind of like filling out your bracket for March Madness. Exactly. Exactly. So, just hopefully my team doesn't lose their mind and draft some ridiculous person (laughs) that they've never heard of and just stinks up the place. That's what everybody's hoping for. Yeah, but we'll see. All right. All right, Dwayne. Thanks for the call, brother. 301-759-2628. No, look, I admit it. I admit it. Mac Jones falling the 19 to Washington is highly unlikely, but you got to take your shot. Just like whenever you, it's funny he mentioned the NCAA bracket because I was that's where I was going next. We pick upsets in the NCAA bracket, right? Every we pick teams that because you know they're going to happen, you know upsets are going to happen in the NCAA tournament, so you pick them and just hope that you're right. Mac Jones falling the 19, that's my upset. That something crazy is going to happen tonight that nobody saw coming. So that was it. And look, if some of these mock drafts are right, and Justin Fields, if Dwayne was right, and Justin Fields tumbles, because again, I, I saw two mock drafts that have Fields all the way down the 15 to the Patriots. If the Pats already trade up to take like a Mac Jones or somebody like that, maybe Fields falls to 19 in Washington. I'm just saying, something goofy is going to happen. Now, I don't, disagree, I don't agree with Dwayne that they're going to go one, two, three, four, five. That's not going to happen because the Falcons are taking Kyle Pitts at four and the Bengals don't need a quarterback at five. But yeah, NFL is a quarterback happy league. Everybody's looking for that next 10 to 12 year franchise QB. That's why you see every year we always talk about the quarterbacks. Everybody's looking for that next franchise. The Steelers will be looking for a next franchise, or franchise quarterback. But yeah, I am well aware that Mac Jones falling to 19 is highly unlikely. That's why I said if it happens, I'm just I, that's it. I'm done. That that'll be the highest of high notes. Anyway, thanks for the call, Dwayne. Uh, where did I leave off at? Uh, oh, Koromoa at number 21 to the Colts. Uh, number 22, the Titans will take Elijah Moore, wide receiver from Ole Miss. The Jets. Uh, their pick from Seattle, I think uh, they will jump on the guard from USC, Vera Tucker, if he's still there. If not, uh, he'll go the uh, they'll go the defensive route with a, a pay of the, the end from uh, Michigan. At number twenty four, the Steelers. Now again, this is not who I want them to take, but who I think they will take. I think. 
they're going to take the running back from Alabama, uh, Najee Harris. I don't like it, but I think they're going to do it. I think they need a lot more help if there's an offensive lineman still available, maybe a linebacker. I, but something tells me that they're going to go with Najee Harris, and he would be the first running back off the board at number 24. They have a lot of holes to fill. Uh, look, if there's a safety out there or, or, or not a, a cornerback, there will be a safety out there. I don't I, – it's, it's a bad move, but I think they're going to do it. Again, for everything that I've heard and listened to, all signs, indications point to the Steelers taking Harris number 24. At number 25, the Jags uh, getting a pick from the Rams. Uh, they will take defensive tackle from Alabama, Christian Barmore. A lot of Bama guys going off the board in the first round. The Browns at number 26. I have them taking Trevor Morig, a safety from TCU. Then we got the Ravens at number 27. Now, I seriously would not be surprised to see the Ravens maybe package the 27th and 31st pick to or picks to move up in the first round. If they don't, I got him taking a receiver here, uh, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. Now, that being said, if the safety, Morig from TCU, is still available, that's who they're going to take. Baltimore will take the safety, and then they'll address the receiver spot at number 31. But, you know, again, I don't know if trade, you know, they may trade, it may not. If they're sitting at 27, I have them taking Rashad Bateman, the receiver from Minnesota. At number 28, the Saints, Jalen Phillips, a defensive end from Miami. He may go a little higher than that, but I got him down to 28. At number 29, the Packers. If the Ravens don't take Bateman, the receiver from Minnesota, Green Bay will. If he's not there, then the Pack, they're going to take uh, Terrace Marshall Jr. from LSU. The Pack, they're going after all the mess. That they've heard. They've never drafted a first, they've never drafted a receiver in the first round since Aaron Rodgers has been there. They're going to take a receiver in the first round this year. Could be Bateman, it could be Marshall, could be somebody else. Now there's also a chance that the Ravens take Marshall at number 27. And then Green Bay will end up with Bateman at number 29. At number 30. I got the Bills in my uh, not-too-serious mock draft uh, taking uh, Travis Etienne. I pronounced that right, Etienne? Yeah, the running back from Clemson, who I think is going to be better than Najee Harris. That's just me. At number 31, the Ravens pick again. They got the uh, this pick from Kansas City in the Orlando Brown Jr. trade. If they don't trade this pick, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea who they will take with 31. If they get the safety Morig at 27, they'll go receiver at 31 because they want to get a receiver in the first round to help out Lamar Jackson. So 31 could be you know secondary or receiver for the Ravens. And then at number 32, your Super Bowl champion Buccaneers, uh, is it Jamin, Jamin Davis, linebacker from Kentucky? And again, uh, who knows? Last year I got two first-round picks right. 
And one of those picks was the very first overall pick. So we'll see what happens. And this is all fun. This, of course, I don't expect to get many right. I am not. I didn't put a lot of time into it. That's why we call it the not too serious because we're all guessing anyway. Mock draft. There is a high probability, much like my NCAA tournament brackets, that this thing will be ripped up and burned within the first five or six picks because that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes, right? We pick a bracket, a couple upsets later, and your bracket is useless. Like, for instance, this past year, I picked Illinois to win the NCAA tournament, and they got bounced in the second round. So my whole bracket was just dusted after that. Same way when you're trying to pick, yeah, we don't know. We don't know. No clue. There are people who actually make a living off of doing this. A pretty good living, too. And they don't even know. So what the heck do I know? Or anybody that's called to, we don't know, we're just guessing. We're guessing. If you're a fan, you're hoping that whoever they take, and of course, one of my favorite things, one of the most useless practices of all time is whenever, inevitably, Somebody will release their draft grades. Is that the most useless thing? One of the more useless things we do. When the draft is all said and done, and we get through all the rounds and all 259 picks, then everybody comes out with, oh, who won the draft? Who won the, who got the high grades? Oh, no. Uh, the Ravens, they get a C-plus for their draft. <laughs> Without ever seeing these players suit up or get an NFL uniform or nothing. Happens every year. And I laugh at it every year because it's pointless. Just like mock drafts are pointless. But we have fun with it, right? We have fun with it. Can't take it too seriously. That's why I had Mac Jones fall into Washington in 19. Because who knows? Maybe Washington moves up. Maybe they trade. There's going to be – I had one trade in the first round, and that's the Patriots moving up to take a quarterback. Something tells me there'll be more than that one trade, right? That's usually the way it works. The Ravens could package their 27 and 31 and move up. They can actually trade out of the first round and pick up more picks in the second and third round. The Steelers – look, don't – again, don't be surprised if the Steelers at 24 – now, I don't know how much draft capital they have if they try to trade up and get a quarterback, right? Maybe they're looking at the heir apparent to Big Ben. We don't know. But I also think that's why we get sucked into the draft, like why it's so exciting, because you just, you know, and just keep this in mind when this first round goes through tonight and then we get into the other rounds in this weekend. Don't get too upset. Don't Don't lose your mind if the team – take somebody you never heard of or your team takes somebody that you didn't want them to take. It's just, they know more than you do. (laughs) Keep that in mind. There are a lot of people that get paid a lot of money to, uh, you know, pick these. Well, of course, unless, unless they work for uh, the Texans, then they probably don't know more than you do. But have fun with it tonight. Enjoy the first round of the draft. When I come back on Monday, remember, no show tomorrow. When I come back on Monday, we'll kind of run down my not-too-serious 
because we're all guessing anyway. Mug, just see how many I got right, which again, probably won't be much. If I don't show up Monday, that means that Washington got Mac Jones at 19 and I retired. All right, no show tomorrow. We got Caps Pens tonight at 645. Enjoy tomorrow. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the draft. And we'll see you back here Monday morning, 10 a.m. sharp. I'm sorry, 7 a.m. sharp. That's too late, 10 a.m. Right here on the Morning Rush. See ya!